Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of a Baseball America Prospects Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, alongside Teddy Cahill. Happy to be here. We're talking Pirates today, and uh, another interesting system with uh, a lot of really, really good young talent. A lot of guys, you know, it's a mix of high school guys, college guys, international guys. And, you know, Teddy, we've seen the Central, obviously there was a run where the Pirates uh, kept making the one-game wild card, couldn't quite get over that hump. We've seen the Cubs make three straight NLCSs. We've seen the Brewers start to, you know, get their rise going uh, even earlier than expected. The Cardinals, for, you know, whatever, you know, issues they're having, are still a team that was in the playoff hunt until the final week of the season last year and is gearing up for another run with Marcelo Zuna. You know, the Pirates still have a lot of key pieces from, you know, those teams that got them, you know, back to postseason play with Andrew McCutcheon, Starling Marte, Gregory Polanco, Garrett Cole still there. You know, there's been rumors about him moving this offseason, but hasn't happened yet. There's an interesting group here that I feel like, for me, makes them... Uh, you know, I can see them being in the thick of things moving forward. This isn't, to me, a team that, you know, because of what's at the major league level and what's at the farm system level, is going to have to bottom out and then, you know, hope to compete again in four or five years. There, there still seems to be something here where you can see a, a scenario in which they're competitive this year, next year, et cetera. Yeah, I don't think they need to bottom out. I do think they need to retool, and I think they're attempting to retool. Um you know, I think they want to get rid of Andrew McCutcheon. Um, I'll say this. They'd be selling higher on him than last year, which was the right thing to do. And that was part of the whole discussion with last offseason. My whole thought process is I understand there's the money involvement. You're nervous about him moving into his 30s. But you're still selling low on a supremely talented player. Guess what? He bounced back last year because he's still talent. And while guys a lot of times will peter out in their 30s, you can still get production at 30, 31, 32. It's... 33, 34, where nowadays it really, really starts to go poorly. Well, you know, I mean, yes, he bounced back, but how true of a bounce back was it? You, these are things that I don't know the answer to. These are just I'll, things I'll that you have, to, you have to ask yourself if you're going to commit to the kind of trade that it would take um, seemingly to, to get him. Um, you know, you, you're the ones now that are, would be acquiring years 33, 34, uh, and giving up significant or not at least, at least not insignificant talent to do it. Well, his so. contract runs out this year. He's out after 2018. So, you know, it makes an interesting wrench. Nonetheless, I think you can look at the Pirates, you know, the team they've put together and, and the system we want to get into here uh, and say, hey, there's a path here for these guys to be relevant and, and have some, you know, legitimate dreams of playoff contention. I'm not going to say they're going to go make a World Series run, but... But, you know, the extra wild card now, if you win 85, 86 games, you're pretty much a playoff team. And I think there's definitely a path for the Pirates there. And, and I want to start with the guy at the top, Mitch Keller. I mean, this is a guy that, talking to scouts throughout the year, you know, a lot of times we go deep into guys, drill deep into depth guys. But sometimes we just say, hey, who's the best guy you've seen this year? Position player, pitching side. The answers I heard around the game last year, or this year, or last year, pitching side was Alex Reyes is the best pitcher, no question asked, missed this year with Tommy John, he still kind of has that best uh, best possibility. Walker Bueller was the other was the name that came up a lot this year. The one other guy that I heard consistently was Mitch Keller. Now we got a few votes for you know, Forrest Whitley by the end of the year, but Mitch Keller throughout was considered by evaluators, no questions asked, equal to the guys they felt were the single best pitching prospects in the game. You know, I uh, 
I have to give John Manuel credit here. He was all over Mitch Keller early. I, uh, I've i been pretty slow to come around on Mitch Keller, best pitching prospect potentially. I agree um, with that. And uh, he's there, though. And, um, you know, he's he's really closing in on joining the big league staff, on, on becoming the Pirates' next homegrown pitcher. And they've done a really good job at, at growing some of these arms. Um, you know, that I, I know it hasn't been necessarily smooth uh with with some of them but you know i mean you look at at cole and glass now and tyone and uh Keenum's coming keller's coming you know i mean stephen brawl stephen brawl who, who they didn't draft they no, acquired but, but they, they they developed i frankly i think they acquired him on a, on a low end they did um you know and and were able to to help build him up and you know so i i think they do a really good job at developing these guys and, and mitch keller's the latest example of that and um you know he's still so young. I mean he's 21, um, and you know he'll he'll pitch this year basically as a 22 year old. Um, By Trevor Williams, Arizona State grad, mentioned again. Another guy. Uh, yeah, they, didn't, no, I mean, they he, didn't draft, but they've brought him up. They've their their pitching staff is mostly you know homegrown uh, on some level, and um, you know they they've got another really good one here, and um, you know if they do wind up moving Cole or or. You know, eventually Garrett Cole is going to move on. Mitch Keller can be that kind of successor at the top of the rotation. Absolutely. I think the thing with Keller that keeps coming up is just how easy he does it. Now, I hadn't seen him uh, in person until the fall league, and you always hear easy velocity, easy velocity, easy velocity. And sometimes I feel like that gets thrown out uh, almost a little too much. And then you watch him, and it's, I mean, it's almost as laughable. Like, really, dude? Like, looks like he's barely starting to play catch like you know arms you know loose it's just you know the early stage of playing catch 94 really tries like a little bit harder a teensy bit harder 96 it's like really like it was it made me kind of just i don't want to say cackle in my seat because that sounds weird but just like but that's probably what happened uh I, you know i'll have to ask uh, the scouts <laughs> i was with to see if there was a cackle but it was just like Wow, really, dude? Like, I mean, again, it's, it's a thick base. You know, you see the strength in the legs. You, you talk about all the cliches you want about body types and pitchers. And then it just, it's easy. And it's not just he throws the velocity easy. There are times the command has been shaky, but when I saw him, worked up, down, worked side to side, you know, was able to spot the fastball. And then on top of that, the curveball he showed was just a fantastic pitch. And what was interesting about it is, I think a lot of times we talk about swing and miss curveball as, you know, plus, double plus. But a curveball that a hitter cannot do anything with, all they can do is hit it straight into the ground, that's still a plus offering. And so to me, you know, Mitch Keller, I don't know if he's a guy that you're going to see this big, you know, hammer curveball guys just swing over the top of. But if they hit it 20 feet back to the mound in the dirt, getting the job done, you know, for the most part, just as well over the course of the season. And so you see those two pitches that, you know, are easily, you know, using scouting scale terms, 60s to 70s. And then in the folly, talking to a number of individuals, his changeup was a real focal point of development. And he threw one to Cornelius Randolph that was just disgusting. And talking to some pitching coaches, they said, we felt like he came into the fall league with a changeup that was, you know, a 45-ish pitch. We feel like he's leaving with it as a 55. Now, and you know, in uh, the magazine we wrote up as a fifty because it's you know it's a matter of consistency. But 
Instead of now just... I mean, if he if that is just a five... That's still... He just needs that to be average, frankly. He does, he does not need that to be above average pitch. So you talk about two plus pitches, plus control, a third, you know, average to above pitch, 21. And the other thing with him, too, is, you know, double A. It's not like this is a 21-year-old who, oh, you really have to project low A, got to double A, had a fantastic playoff start against Bowie, uh, complete game one hitter, I believe. I think it's all there for this guy. Uh, I think overall... A lot of evaluators are hesitant to throw number one starter grades on any, on anyone. I've heard a lot of them say, I don't put number one on anyone because that's something you earn in the major leagues, which is completely understandable. But if you want to stack up the best pitching prospects and the guys who have a chance to be that, there is a growing sense that Keller is you know, at the at the top of that list with Bueller and Reyes and potentially Forrest Whitley. Yeah, I, I generally am of the belief that you don't know who's an ace until they do it, just like you don't know who's a closer until they do it in the big leagues. Uh, but he's a frontline kind of guy, and um, you know he's—I don't think he'll pitch in Pittsburgh this year. I—I I mean, maybe he—maybe if they're in contention late and he forces the issue, he comes up. But you know, in '19, you're definitely going to see him play a not insignificant role, and I mean, he could do it next year. I just think the Pirates will be a little more conservative. Uh, but again, if they're in contention late, I mean, you're, I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, in July or whatever. A lot of it's, you know, injuries too. I mean, you can either say, hey, I mean, look, Cole, you know, you know, Chad Cool made 31 starts last year and did all, did okay. You know, at ERA uh, plus, you know, just a tick below average. You know, Trevor Williams came out, had a nice year, uh, was, you know, a part of the team start to finish. Tyone, you know, everything with him. He's been able to come back and make 25 starts. So if all these guys stay healthy, you'll probably, you know, they'll see Stephen Brault come up. Maybe they give Tyler Glass now a, a, 50, a fifth chance. But I'm sure they'll give him more chance. And, you know, you got to figure Kingdom's ahead of Keller on the um... – on the call-up rate. Right. No, and um, that's very true. So I, I think you're probably right, 28-19. But we have seen times where teams just get crushed by injuries. And, well, well hey. the other thing <laughs> is when we talk about guys, their prospects at this level, you know, you can want to delay them all you want. But at some times, they force the issue. And if you're in contention and they're forcing the issue, sometimes you just make the call. Now, if the Pirates fall out of it, um, you know, it's easy to say, you know, you're going to stay in Indy. But if they're in it and he's forcing the issue, it's it's hard to it's hard to keep those guys down when they really get rolling. And he got rolling this year, and if he's able to to carry that over, um, you know, th- that's the kind of guy that can force his way um, when if if the need were to arise. So short answer, Pirates fans, to everyone who hounds us, what's his ETA? What's his ETA? Twenty nineteen, but don't be shocked if it's end of twenty eighteen. Moving down, as much as we talk about you know, Mitch Keller, everyone loves, great guy. Number two, you've got Austin Meadows, who is, for my money, the most divisive prospect we came across this year because... I'm so all in on Austin Meadows still. <laughs> I mean, it's something where, you know, Carlos Clauso put together our International League Top 20, and Meadows missed a lot of time with injury, and when he was healthy, did not show a lot with evaluators or coaches or opposing managers, felt as much of a threat to the point where... You know, we talk a lot with managers and scouts. I mean, it's not, you know, the top 20 list we put together, it's not just what we think. It honestly, what we think has very little to do with it. It's what those inside the game, uh, you know, it's discussed with us. No one felt Meadows was one of the top 20 prospects in the International League. Little, it was a very deep International League. This it, year. Was, it was, but it's also hard to be, if you're not one of the top 20 in your own league, you're not going to be top 20 in all of baseball. 
And this is a guy who was, at one point, the number six prospect in all of baseball last year. So he's fallen in scout's eyes, manager's eyes, everyone's eyes. It's, you know, you mentioned you're still all in on him. What is it that has you all in? The same thing that it's always been. I mean, he has the swing. Like, there, if you go back to the draft, it was him versus Clint Frazier. Who do you got? You know, these two high school kids and uh you know not not very far apart in georgia um you know vying to be the top high school player in their draft class and i was in the meadows camp then i've remained in the meadows meadows camp the whole way through um you know i I just think that the feel for hitting the the smoothness of the swing that he knows what he's doing in the box um and i mean he has athleticism I, i i know at this point center field is you know been pretty much removed from the picture of, of what he's going to be ultimately. Um, I did think that he was more likely to stay in center than Frazier, and in the end it looks like neither of them are center fielders. Uh, but you know, I, I, I just think that that doesn't go away. I mean, he was hurt this year, and I, I think that a lot of times we don't it's, – it's really difficult for us and for scouts even and, and even for managers who can talk to them all the time – it's very difficult for us to understand how much injuries impact them. You know, yes, they're back, but you know, what did that time off mean? What did what did all of that mean to their game? And I think if he's able to get a healthy off season here, uh, you know, I, I I think he's a potential bounce back candidate uh, in eighteen. You mentioned the health. That's the other red flag. He's played more than that is more than nine, flag, ninety yes. games once. <laughs> You know, signed, drafted and signed 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2016. Four seasons. Four f- potential potential full seasons. He's played more than 90 games once. And that's where you start to get a little bit concerned. But I do think, you know, when you get our prospect handbook, you'll see there's still a pretty high grade on him because there is an expectation, as you mentioned, that there's talent in there. If the health comes back, we could see it click. Uh, he just the other thing is, to remember is he's he's going to play this year as a 23 year old. Right. Um, you know, I mean, he's been around a long time. It feels like he's been around forever, and I think a lot of people are fighting prospect fatigue on him. Well, and I, I don't think he's still on opening day. Well, on opening day, but I mean, it, it's his year. age 23. Right, season. it's his 23 season. And um, you know, I, I I think people are fighting prospect fatigue on him, and I, I think um, I think that's a big problem. Um, you know, in general, and, uh, you know, I think it's holding him back right now. I don't know. I'm slow to give up on players to begin with. Um, this is the guy who was on Mark Appel, who, in the Mark Appel, I believe, camp, like, up to this year. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe maybe a little bit into 16, but it, certainly I'd given up on it by this time, or by, by this year. But, yeah, no, I I, I was in the I, – I am slow to give up on players and uh, that, that I get convicted on, and um, – I was I was pretty far in on Austin Meadows, so I mean I you know I, I think there's still a lot of positives there. There are questions. There are definitely questions now. Um, but the same thing is true this year that was true going into last year for the Pirates. They don't need Austin Meadows. They don't need him right now. They can get, they can be patient. This is fine. They have an outfield that does not you know they they a year ago it was like how are they going to jam Austin Meadows into this picture? Like what what do we do if he forces the issue? Well, he enforced the issue, uh, so they didn't have to figure that out. But you know, they're they're still looking at a, a, a really nice outfield without. Him. Keep in mind that was with Marte going on with a, a PD suspension. Polanco got hurt, and there was still not really you know he, he yeah the oppor- the opportunity was there and his own health he wasn't able to take advantage. But 
I think he, for me, is going to be one of the most interesting prospects to watch moving forward. Uh, you know, you've got Shane Boz and Brian Hayes, two first-rounders out of Texas, 3-4, both of whom, uh, you know, have done some good things. Uh, you know, Boz obviously only signed uh, last year, so he didn't have a, a ton of time, but you saw some swing and miss stuff. The more interesting guys to me are at the 5-6 range, Kevin Newman and Cole Tucker. And, and Kevin Newman, you know, went to my rival schools all the way through Poway High versus Torrey Pines High and Arizona versus Arizona State. Uh, different times, so I, did, I didn't get to see him up close a whole lot. But this is a guy who had always been known as someone who could really, really hit, won a pair of Cape Cod League batting titles, hit 370 as a junior at U of A, and even hit when he got into pro ball. But as he's gotten to the upper levels, there's been some struggles. And one of the things that's kept happening is he's kept getting hit. I was at a game this year at Richmond. He got drilled in the head by a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. And... You know, second year in a row, he's taking a ball to the face, and you see him get jumpy on the inside pitches a little bit. I think there's there's a sense that Kevin Newman can be an okay player, but there was a time where, you know, he was on the cusp of a top 50 prospect in baseball, and I just have not sensed that from any scout, any manager, any coach. You know, he's a guy who plays a decent shortstop, can put the bat on the ball a little bit, but look, there's not much power potential. Shortstop defense is fine. It's not great. He's not all that fast. He was showing some some below average run times by the end of the year. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. You know, for me, look, if you're a big leaguer, awesome. Props to you. But I think there's a growing sense he might be, again, kind of that second division starter, utility type, maybe closer to Adam Frazier than the clear upgrade over Adam Frazier. Yeah, I think. Um... Well, first of all, they're kind of wildly different players. Sorry, I meant <laughs> but no, I, I know what you're saying. End, but like, end of, day, end of day production. No, for sure. But like, they are like. But I, I think the fact that they're wildly well, different players is better is pretty indicative indicative of why Kevin Newman is struggling right now. Adam Frazier hits for power. Like that is Adam Frazier's thing. Uh, you know, he plays a, a good enough shortstop. And there's power in the bat. I mean, it was a 399 for, slug last year. I mean, there's for some, a shortstop. I, yeah, yeah. Right. 20 doubles, six triples, six homers. There is not completely a singles hitter. That's Kevin Newman, his whole problem the whole time has been there's question about how much impact his bat carries. Like, yes, you're really good at putting your bat on the ball. Yes, you won two Cape batting titles. But where's the impact? Career 382 slug in the minors. Now, we know the ball jumps more in the majors, but... It does. It's, it's uh, still... And he hit 29 doubles this year. But, you know, I mean, I, I think there's some concern on that end. And you look at the on-base skills, like, it's not... He's not a guy... Like, what he does is he puts the bat on the ball. He doesn't walk a ton. And, um, you know, you mentioned he's kind of a magnet for balls. But, you know, that's not the way you want to get your on-base points. Right. Um but so, this year was a three three eleven market double A triple A. He got on base a decent amount last year, but again, it's it, I think it's we're seeing as he gets to the upper levels. Right. There's definitely a, a shortcoming there that I don't know if that's just gonna I don't see that just going away and all of a sudden he explodes and you know even without the power he's able to get on base at a, a four hundred clip and make it work. I think again he's a good player, but you know I, I truthfully I say the Adam Frazier thing. I look at his profile. I look at what Adam Frazier's actually been able to do at the major league level and. I'm not. Sh- I'm. I'm not sure. I can sit here and say with any confidence that Kevin Newman will outdo Adam Frazier's production at the big league level. He might, but if you were to sit here and say it's clear he will, I, I think you're fooling yourself and, and being overly confident. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, 
we might see Kevin Newman bounce back. There's there's still a lot to like there. I think um, he's a big leaguer. I don't mean to, to trash right. him and say he's not a good – he's a very fine prospect, but he's, you know, good player does some good things for you. He's not your shortstop of the future. We're, we're going to the World Series with this guy. I think that what's happened as we've gone – as he's gone closer to the big leagues is that um, his, uh, his um, defense is becoming a bigger deal. That like not not in the sense that you know every shortstop's defense is a big deal, but he particularly you know it used to be like well you know if he moved off shortstop like he'd profile fine as a second baseman. There's enough offensive impact there. I think we're now starting to see you know he kind of needs to be a shortstop and he's fine there. Like he's yeah. been solid F- fifty there, to fifty five defense. You, you're not yeah he's not going to be the Gold Glove shortstop. So you know, we're looking at a profile that suddenly now seems like there are more fives across the board. Uh, which is fine, but that is also the kind of player that teams are also often looking to upgrade on. You know, Cole Tucker right behind him, a shortstop, had a nice year, 47 stolen bases, showed some speed, got healthy. I think there's there's a sense that, you know, Tucker could eventually surpass Newman, but there's a few years of difference there. There's some pitchers at the back end that really interest me. Luis Escobar is a guy who made the Futures game this year, throws hard, Misses bats. You know, he had always kind of had some velocity, but wasn't able to turn that into strikeouts. He started to. Taylor Hearn's a power lefty. That's actually two arms. You know, again, Taylor Hearn was a, was a high A guy. Luis Escobar is a low A guy. So it's not like these guys are knocking on the door. But you talk about having some power arms that could eventually, you could see taking another jump. It's a nice one-two punch there, righty-lefty. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I, I dealt with Hearn when he was in the national system, and, and I was doing the nationals for a few years. Uh you know he uh, he's interesting. Is he a reliever? Is he a starter? You know he he started this year. Uh, you know still only through eighty nine innings though. So um, you know it, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. But that's a that's a weapon. Whether um, you're using him out of the bullpen or you know obviously.